Hello, I'm Derek Doak, and you're listening to the Real Talk Podcast. For over 25 years, I've been serving the investment property industry, from preparing tax returns for property owners when I worked in public accounting, to creating and managing multi-million dollar syndications as a commercial broker. Throughout my career, I have always had a passion for learning and teaching what I have learned to others. This podcast is for commercial property owners and those who provide professional services to owners. My goal is to bring value to you through the sharing of best practices and industry knowledge. Each episode is geared towards providing knowledge and insights around topics and trends affecting property management, asset management, and investment management. Please enjoy this episode, and if I can be of any assistance, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at DokeMail.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Derek and Jordan show. I think we'll start it out that way. That sounds a little better, Jordan. You know, I like it. You know, we always got to change it up and uh, keep people guessing what the show is going to be called. But uh, but I, I, I'm excited for today because, you know, you and I, you know, the beauty of what you and I do is we talk to so many different people in the industry and we talk to, you know, uh, wealth managers, we talk to CPAs, attorneys, everybody around investment properties. And what's happening in today's market, which is really interesting is this whole uncertainty in the market. You know, it's uh, the parallelization of not doing anything. I feel like the conversations that I've been having lately is people are thinking, well, I think interest rates are going to go down next year. So they're making all these assumptions and they're kind of sitting in this in this idle marketplace. Um, and I feel like a lot of them are being fooled into complacency and not getting proactive about their assets. Um, and I think these are kind of the topics, the conversations that I've had with both prospects, you know, individuals looking to talk with us about uh, using us for property, asset, and investment management. Um, but more importantly, the clients that we're working with is really getting proactive. And I think that's one of the things I want to talk about today, as you and I discussed this, is with the rising interest rates that are happening and not knowing what's going to happen in the next year to two years as it relates to these interest rates, that the clients that we see getting proactive are the ones that are coming out ahead and building those contingency plans in place based on what we know today, not wishful thinking and hope it happens. So our topic today is going to be what does these rising interest rates do and what should family offices or uh, investment property owners, what should they be looking for as it relates to working with groups that help them with their real estate holdings? Did I, did I sum that up right, Jordan? No, I think it's it's a very, very important topic. And uh, your introduction and experience reflects what we're seeing down in uh, with our clients and down in the Portland market in the Oregon region. There's just, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. There is that kind of paralysis around decision-making just because of that uncertainty. And the other thing that we can get into as we go through this is what I'd kind of call like choppy parts of the market where you've got some things that are going really fast and working really well, and you've got other things that are just completely stalled. And I think it reflects that overall uncertainty and, and where, you know, either owners or tenants, or, you know, sometimes it has to do with the, the um, vendors performing construction or other things just kind of depends on where they are in the various cycles that we're talking about in terms of responding to this uncertainty. So, yeah, I think the topic is right on and I'm looking forward to diving in. Yeah. Well, I, I think for us to kind of kick it off, I think the biggest the elephant in the room is around financing, right? Financing and loan management. And I think there's been a lot of conversation, at least I've been involved with a lot of conversations 
with property owners that have loans coming due in the net within the next 24 months. And they're trying to figure out what is the best avenue to pursue. Do I just wait the 24 months and see what happens? Or is there some proactive things that you can do? And I think what people don't really understand is that there's a lot you can do without changing your loan that's going to help you in those two-year period, right? When you think about the property, the valuation of it, increasing the value of that property, increasing your NOI through efficiencies and things like that, which is a topic that I end up having a lot of conversations with people about, which is that highest and best use analysis of their property. You know, are they maximizing it? And I know you guys do a lot of valuations. I do a lot of valuations um, and looking at people's portfolio. And this is the time to be, I believe, on the offensive versus the defensive and to proactively engage your team, you know, your property asset and, and uh, investment managers to kind of look at this and say, what will this do? What is our backup plan? You know, how do we take these rising interest rates and make it favorable for us to take advantage of opportunities? And there are advantages that you could have as it relates to your current situation. Yeah, that's uh, totally agree with all those things. And uh, just kind of a spinoff I would add to it is the conversations with the lenders, I think right now are particularly important. And just as kind of two anecdotes, we have one property that we work on that has uh, a life insurance lender who, of course, has a variety of covenants and you know expectations in the loan documents that are becoming more and more relevant right now as, you know, uh, this is, happens to be an office property. So obviously occupancy is a challenge. And, uh, you know, as we're talking about renewals, which is on our list here to talk about a little bit later, and we'll have things to say about that the renewals can, can impact some of those loan covenants and whatnot. But, you know, unfortunately that company is is not particularly open to talking, uh, which is frustrating. But on the other hand, we have um, been doing some refinancing work, which is a kind of a, a service that we offer within our firm to be an owner's representative in that either new financing or refinancing process and help coordinate the whole, the whole process and work with the mortgage brokers. What we're finding is that the banks are much, much more aggressive at higher numbers, higher loan amounts and competing against the life companies. And we actually ran a recent process where it started with an owner who had a relationship literally with a branch manager. And that branch manager said, hey, we can do this loan on a large commercial retail commercial asset. We said, let, you know, let, let's really like do a full process here. And so we worked with our uh, colleagues uh, we've done a lot of loans with and we took it out to market against life companies and it turned out it came back to that loan that was offered by a regional bank coordinated through a branch manager that was the best rate and the reason i bring that up is that that one was very dependent on relationship the bank wanted to play in that space they wanted to do that loan they had the best rate they had the best overall terms and so you know in the future is if rates continue to go up or you know the uncertainty that we've used as our theme today continues that relationship is key and there may be some things that can be done to, you know, either extend the loan in ways that may not have normally occurred to us, uh, you know, should the, the term start to run out, whatever it is. I just wanted to highlight that that relationship with the lenders, whether it's functional or not, is a good one to make sure it's on the list. Yeah, absolutely. And it should be, and it should be, um, how do I put this, um, continuous? Because what I've noticed too is that those that are, looking for money because they need it now have a little more difficult time versus those who don't need it yet, but have the package ready to go. And they're watching it because most, a lot of the banks have buckets, right? Where how much they're going to put in certain asset classes. 
And, you know, multifamily was the darling. Everyone wanted to do multifamily loans. Well, depends on where you're at. Some of those are really dried up because of all the construction coming out of ground. They're not doing multifamily. Office, obviously, is a taboo. Nobody wants to do an office loan unless it's owner user and it, or it has some type of, um, you know, uh, I guess, uh, backup of whoever the, the 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 tenant, if it's credit worthy, whatever that tenant might be. I mean, obviously, those loans are getting done to some degree. But it's the having that package ready to go and keeping it with those institutions so that when it does get to a rate that fits with what you've strategized works for you for the long term, you can jump on it versus trying to put the package together at the last minute. Um, the other thing I noticed, you mentioned life companies. You have to remember that life companies get premiums every single month. So every month, those coffers are getting full and full and full. And if they don't have the capabilities of putting that money to use, then they fall behind, right? So this where you're gonna, that's where you're starting to see the competition on the life companies getting a little more aggressive on the rates because they have so much money coming in every month, they've got to place it. And so you're going to see a little bit of that compression in the sense of they're getting a little more aggressive because I've seen a life company now do a loan under $5 million, which before you, it was hard to get a life company to go down that low. I mean, it was at yeah. a million and a half. So yeah. it's, uh, I think that's going to be that, that's the beauty of capitalism and the markets creating the markets is when that drive comes when there's so much money, they'll drive the rates down. People will be flocking to those to get those that qualify. And then the banks are going to have to follow. And then all the lenders, so it, the market will kind of stabilize itself for those right types of assets. You're exactly right. I mean, that the the scenario I was kind of mentioning earlier for the retail center that we refinanced, we were a year ahead working on that and kind of going through the process, getting our ducks in a row, making sure all of our information was prepared. And that really helped us uh, test the market, if you will. And you're exactly right. Life companies are coming in down into lower loan amounts and banks are going up into higher loan amounts. It's interesting how the market is shifting for a variety of reasons. And so um, I think it all speaks to this idea that you've got a team. This is kind of the, the overall theme of all of our podcasts. You've got a team who's helping you think about this and collaborating with property ownership to say, all right, look, this is coming. We can turn this into an opportunity, even in an unfavorable rate environment compared to, at least compared to our historical lows over the last decade or so. So got to get going on things, no doubt. Yeah, you're not going to make decisions in a vacuum. You know, you, you you want to work with people that have been doing it and understand it. And so putting a team together is is key uh, in that area. Um, the next topic I want, I want to talk about when we're talking about these uncertain times is being on the offensive versus the defensive around property valuations and investment strategies. Right. I mean, you know, you, you know, I, I do uh, syndications. So I go out and I buy primarily retail is what I acquire. Um, and most of the people I work with on the investment side right now, I'm getting everyone teed up and reminding them that they passed on the 2010, 11 and 12 deals. So they should be part of 24, 25 and 26 deals because there's going to be these buying opportunities. There's going to be the opportunity of those individuals, those buyers or their current owners that might be trying to make decisions in a vacuum and they've got to get rid of something. So if you're in a position to buy you're going to be in a great spot. So when you're thinking about your portfolio and you're working with a group to help you in your development of your portfolio, that's one of the strategies to look at is what's going to come available, but also your own personal property, the property that you have right now in your current portfolio. Are you getting the valuations done? Are you looking at the highest and best use analysis? Is there somebody on your team that can actually look at it 
and say, here's what we should do with this. Are they meeting with the city? You know, construction costs are getting a little aggressive because they're starting to lose contracts, right? So if you're on the offensive, you can take advantage of that and maybe do some additions, uh, put in some different tenants, do some TIs, um, whatever the asset might be. Uh, so I think it's a good thing to look at in these markets is to look at how can you maximize your current portfolio in order to increase that valuation through NAI or just increase the uh, the property uh, value itself. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fantastic point. And just to to kind of give some insight into for our listeners into what's happening behind the curtain on our respective firms is that the reality is that interest rates have made the, the number of investment sales transaction decrease significantly. I was actually on a call with NEI Global uh, with our board this week and um, JL Shonsky, the president of NEI Global was just mentioning that investment sale transactions in our broker to broker network are just like cratered, you know, and it's, it's not a surprise because money is just more expensive. At the same time, you know, you've got a lot of really quality investment brokers out there that are there in their own business preparing for when things improve. And the reason I bring that up is that these kinds of valuations and and not not just like kind of a cursory valuation of a property, but actually like a deep dive into the leases and a real you know look at the property, a really good investment broker can provide invaluable advice about how to position the property for all the things that you're talking about, Derek. Whether you you own something now and you want to position it for the future, either for cash flow or a potential disposition, yeah. right? Or any any of those things, there's a really good opportunity for clients out there in the market, property owners now, to get investment brokers to really give them some great input to prepare for whatever's going to come next. And I just, uh, I was mentioning to you as we were preparing for our call today that one of our investment brokers has made a relationship with a property owner here in Oregon. And uh, that person has a retail strip center uh, investment property and our investment broker has been working with them. It's a relative, relatively new acquisition with an anchor tenant that's turning over. And he's just providing a ton of really valuable information that this, this potential client of ours is just like, wow, this is really, really helpful as they look to retenant that anchor space. They have some, some kind of tricky things they need to move around uh, in terms of some pads that are on the property. And he's just done a superb job of, making that relationship with the owner and adding a lot of value, which will be mutually beneficial down the line, we believe. So uh, anyway, that's a couple of thoughts yeah. that build on what you said. Yeah, no, it, and and, and I'll, I'll just add a little more on top of that one, uh, which is well, on the investment broker side, they have a ton, a ton of knowledge, right? I mean, I know I lean on the ones in our office. I'm sure you do in your office as well. When we have our clients on the management side of getting kind of um, on the streets information of what's going on, what people are looking for. Um, the other thing is retail leasing is still getting done. Retail tenants are still looking for opportunities and locations to be. So if you're a property owner that has a retail location and you're wanting to talk to uh, a broker, I would recommend you find a broker that's an investment sales broker on that side so they can tell you kind of what's going on in the market, but also potentially see who's coming into town because there's still a lot of activity. So the ability to kind of attract new tenants or upgrade your tenants to more credit worthy uh, in these markets is a good thing to look at, especially if you're thinking you're going to sell in the next three years. If you're thinking in the next three years, you want to sell, don't wait until then to engage your investment broker to look at the valuation, start the strategy. Now get the street appeal, get the feedback, get the NOI in place, get all your ducks in a row, all the renewals, everything done. So when that package hits the street, you're the best shiny object out there. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what a good investment broker can do for you. Two quick follow-ups there, Derek. Um, you know, as usual, our our channels are aligned here, and uh, the newsletter we released this month has a uh, kind of a reprise of a topic that we covered earlier in the year around interest rates and the effect on retail leasing. And it's exactly the point you made: is that retail leasing, particularly in suburban markets, continues to perform very, very well. There's a lot of demand out there amongst uh, the whole kind of gamut of different retailers to take on new space and. Two of our senior retail brokers were commenting on how there's just a very there's a very quick balance that's being found in terms of the higher costs for construction, which we you know we've talked about and we all know about in terms of the various impacts of interest rates in terms of access to capital. But it's just un- unlike the uncertainty that we started with it here, the demand seems to be leveling that out in retail leasing, and there's a lot of deals getting done, and there are a lot of tenants that are expanding aggressively and. You know, for those tenants that haven't made it, whether it's the restaurants that didn't adapt to the pandemic or some of those big box retailers, like we just lost the Bed Bath & Beyond um, in our one of our suburban markets that's already been backfilled, in that case, by REI. It's yeah. just amazing how much velocity there is about whatever goes away is almost instantly refilled. Yeah. And, and, and my advice for people is just stay out of the national news. Don't don't stick your head and watch, you know, you know, uh, TV is the thief of all dreams. You know, and and I think that's, you know, so true as it relates to real estate, because you get all these pundits on there talking about, you know, oh, it's terrible this, you know, if you own real estate, you know, everyone has an agenda. Everybody has a freaking agenda. Let's be clear. You and I have an agenda. We help our clients with their real estate, but we do this podcast not only to help our current clients, but to look at other potential prospects to look at us and say, yeah, these guys know what they're talking about. We'd like to have a conversation, right? So our agenda is to give great information with the hopes and anticipation that there'll be people out there that hear it and say, you know what, we should talk to Jordan or Derek. I mean, we like what they have to say and these guys do care about their clients. So when it comes to these types of things, when it comes to looking at your own real estate, talk to somebody local, get a local investment broker, you know, and obviously we're biased. We love our brokers uh, within our firms, but, you know, talk to somebody, get, and get more than one opinion, get one more than one information because in these uncertain times, everybody for the most part, I feel has some form of agenda they're trying to accomplish. Hmm. So the more information you can gather and sift through, I think the better you're going to be informed on what your strategy could and should be. Um, that's just my opinion. Again. Oh yeah. <laughs> but well, I'll, I'll play on that Derek. Cause I want to, I want to tie national news to our next topic on our list here, which is lease negotiations and renewals, because um, you know, we work on a class A building in downtown Portland, class A office building in downtown Portland. And if you watch the news, whether it's local or national or anywhere in between, you know, Portland is not the darling uh, of the, of national news. In fact, we know that the office market is struggling everywhere. And there is no doubt that the office market in Portland is, is particularly struggling. In fact, there was a article circulating this week from the Portland business journal that did a really nice, deep investigative dive into many of the office towers in downtown Portland that are in deep trouble, but that news doesn't tell the whole story. Your point. Exactly. We have worked very closely with the ownership of the building, uh, that's in downtown Portland to complete many renewals. We haven't kept every tenant, but we sure outperformed the market and we've been doing new leasing. And to your points, uh, to our, I guess, collective points over our conversation so far today, we do a detailed lease analysis for every renewal and every new lease to really 
understand and make sure that the clients understand the impact of those leases to the valuation of the company, how they're going to affect our reserves because TIs are just through the roof uh, and tenants have the advantage in those negotiations. To look at how it lines up with our various refinance opportunities, which are not often to refill the coffers. So much has to go into every one of those decisions because it impacts not only the, the day-to-day function of the building, but also how the building will be positioned in the future. And you just can't do it haphazard. And at the same time, I have to add in that we see in the office market that even though the there's so much vacancy and there's so much desire for tenants, the pace of decision-making is very slow. And perhaps that ties to our uncertainty topic for today, but we can outperform the market by being agile, quick, and analytical on these decisions and then move. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, great, great points. Great points. I mean, leases, and we've said this before in our conversations is when someone buys a property, you're primarily buying those leases, right? I mean, you know, yes, you're buying the asset. Yes, you're buying the land, you're buying the building and so forth. But when you're looking at it from an investment property perspective, if it's not an owner user, you're looking at it from a standpoint of, can this be part of my portfolio? Does this fit with my overall wealth strategy and cash flow strategy? And leases are huge on that. And, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before. I think one of our topics in one of our podcasts, we're just going to really dive into leases, you know, what to look for and what you want to avoid uh, in these. And so uh, understanding that, especially when renewals are coming up, there's things you might want to get out of that lease. So even though you have a lease and you're saying, I'm going to, they're going to renew, you might want to look at that and have that lease looked at to see if there's some things to be taken out of that lease or added into it to make sure you're protected. Um, and, uh, and, and you're seeing that, right? You're seeing that with some of the older leases that are coming through and coming due. You're seeing a lot of that, you know, you know, CPI, people quit doing CPI. Well, all of a sudden I'm seeing CPI pop up a lot. Hey, I want to get, I want to get rent, you know, the increases to CPI, you know, whereas a few years ago, they're like, I don't care about CPI. Let's just get 2% or one and a half percent. No, it's so true. We, we have so many kind of like legacy things about CPI and it was totally out of vogue and now it's been, been back for sure. Um, let's see, what's the other, so next topic we want to talk about, let's talk about operational efficiency. Although, I know last podcast, last month, if anybody's listening and listen to that one, we really went deep into that on how mm-hmm. the uh, operational efficiency can help you with your cash flow. And uh, But I do think it's important that we bring it up because we're talking about uncertain times right now. And, mm-hmm. and, and I kind of feel like it's phase one, if you will, of rising interest rate, right? The phase one is always the, uh, it, there, there, there's people that want to be very optimistic and they're saying, you know what, the Fed's going to quit raising rates. So next year it's going to drop. You know, and, and then there's people that are saying, oh, you know, Armageddon, it's going to be 9% interest for the next five years. So I think when you're when you're looking at your your property and you're looking at your assets that you have and you're looking at the efficiencies and cost management and so forth, you and I are both very conservative by nature. I mean, that's just who we are. Um, and and so when I look at the interest rates where they are and I look at where the cost could be going for our operations, just us running our businesses, right? Our costs are going up and the cost of doing business is going up. So that also goes down to the uh, the property itself. So I think having a strategy and a plan as you're seeing these interest rates where they are, um, you know, you got to look at running your operation. And when I say operation, meaning your assets, making sure that you're looking at those in these environments to say, what costs could be jumping besides taxes? We've always seen taxes jump up. 
but what other costs could be jumped more than what they typically have in the past because of rising interest rates? Yeah, this this number four, and we, we beat this topic up all the time because we're so passionate about it. it. It gets me excited right now because on July 1st, we kicked off budgets for 2024 in our property management department, right? We're working together on this too, Derek. Budgets for 2024 are huge right now because this, you know, if you're a property owner, your property management firm should be digging in right now to what are the operational efficiencies and cost management strategies that can be applied in 2024. And so our teams are just running ragged right now, getting bids for ongoing services like janitorial or, you know, checking in on any of those routine maintenance pieces. Our construction management team is, is super busy right now on any kind of capital projects that we're going to propose to owners, getting multiple bids, just getting that lined up because, you know, the process that's going to play out here over the fall is where we'll present that to owners and we'll start setting up that plan for 2024. And, you know, even though we have the uncertainty of like, what's the Fed going to do with rates? What are these things that are going to happen over the next coming months and the next quarter and maybe even the next six months? You've got to be building your plan right now and getting teed up to take advantage of any of those kinds of stabilizations that are happening in the market, whether it's routine maintenance, capital planning, anything else. Because uh, we are seeing that, you know, some vendors are, they figured out the labor issues. They figured out the supply chain, right? And they're ready to quote things that might be better than others that were better in the past, you know? So there's just a lot of fluidity there and you got to get ahead of it. Yeah, you know, you and I, you know, we we, we both played college athletics, right? So there's, it, I call it the rules of the game, right? I know you played a high level basketball. So, you know, there's those refs that would let you get away with the hand checks. So they're coming in, you can hand check, right? Keep them out of the key, keep them out of the key. And you got other refs that wouldn't. So the rules are changing, you know, and I played football and it's like, I played on the offensive line and there's things I could hold. There's certain refs that let me get away from holding and others that wouldn't. So when the rules of the game change, you still play the game, but it's just the rules change. And I think that's how I feel like interest rates are. I feel like interest rates gets too much of a topic of people's concern when there's so many other things around the asset that you can capitalize on because of the rising interest rates, right? Other people have concern in their mind and uncertainty. Take advantage of that by negotiating better deals on, you know, like we just did a really good negotiation, uh, Dana on the team, I should say, did uh, as it relates to de-icing, right? Uh, that, that we got a vendor that she negotiated down to get a flat fee no matter how many times they go out. So it fixed our costs versus having that fluctuation. If we have a bad winter, what's going to happen? But that happened because they had uncertainty on their end around their staff and their team and everything else. So if they can flatten that expense out on their on the vendor side, they're happy. And it worked for us because we got a reduction in that cost spread over the winter and our clients saved, right? So it's that, yes, the rules are changing. The game's, just, the, game's the same, but the rules are just changing because the refs got a little tighter on some certain things. So now we've got to figure out other ways to get the advantage. Calling me a high-level college basketball player is the most generous thing that anybody has said to me in a long time. Derek, I, I love how you work that in, but just can't <laughs> let that go without passing. No, I know. I, yeah, it's great to hear about Dana and de-icing, like snow and ice removal that we coordinate through our biggest landscape vendor is like one of the biggest operational efficiencies we can provide because, you know, spread out over 200 properties all over the region, we can get the kind of service and pricing you just can't compete with on an individual basis. So I love those. I love asphalt. You know, we're 
kind of at the end of the asphalt season. But we're we we're in January next year in 2024, and we're going to be teeing up our asphalt projects for the summer and seeing you know how we can lock vendors in and get scheduling. Which you know, obviously in the Northwest, you got a pretty narrow window there. So, oh yeah, I love that. Well, stuff. it's time to be thinking. You mentioned asphalt because when you talk about you know slurry coats and striping, now is the time to go start those negotiations because they're trying to fill their spring. If you can get in there early, it's it's when you buy a ticket on an airline or you get a hotel room, right? It, it's there's as soon as certain amount fill up, the next ones are more expensive, then more expensive, more expensive. So the sooner you can get ahead of the game of of what that work's going to be and lock them in, you're going to give them certainty that they can stay alive for another year and keep their staff going. So they're going to give you that that discount. You know, um, I think I mentioned you. I'm you know working from Manson, Washington today because I've got projects over here that I oversee, and I'm meeting with a contractor as it relates to doing some retaining wall work. And it's the exact same thing. They're giving me a better price point because I'm going off season to keep their team and their staff going. So uh, if you have a property, you know anyone listening to this and they're and they're managing their own properties or they have a manager they're working with. I mean, these are the times that get out there and get those locked in for next year because people's uncertainty is what you take the opportunity for yourself to be on the offensive versus the defensive. Couldn't agree more. Let's see. Risk management and financial planning. That's our, our last one to discuss here. So I think, you know, when we, I know we talked about efficiencies and uh, and and so forth. The risk management, uh, I think, is underrated. That people don't really realize what really goes into kind of mitigating your risks. And when you think of rising interest rates, that's always the big one, right? If I've got a loan coming due next year or in two years, my fear factor is that all of a sudden they're going to call my note, and I'm scrambling, and, and my rents are, or my uh, rates are going to go up higher as it relates to any type of financing. So. This is where the financial planning aspects come into place. If you have assets or you have access to capital that's not earning you what you have to pay your mortgage on, that's where you start having those conversations. Do I pay down that mortgage or do I put the money in something else that can get me more than what that mortgage rate is? You know, that's one area. Um, the other one that I think I spend more time talking to people about is just interest only loans for the next three years versus interest in principal. And that seems to be a topic. We used to be able, about a month ago, we were getting those. But now um, the people I'm talking to, they want they want to go longer. So now you're seeing banks, they'll do an IO, but they want you to go longer at the higher rate because they, too, anticipate in the next 36 months that rates won't be in the sixes or the sevens, that they'll be down in the fives, maybe high fours. And again, no one knows. That's just their crystal ball. But if they can tie you up at a 7% interest only for the next five years, they're kind of looking at that. So, so having that strategy of mitigating that downside of where the rates are at um, should start now as you start looking at other ways to kind of take care of that note when it comes to. Looking at that topic of risk management and financial planning, I think you, you nailed it on the managing your financial risk. The, the thing that I, it's kind of a can of worms and maybe even its own topic for us to discuss is the insurance markets for commercial property are extremely difficult right now. And they have been for, for the last several years based on, you know, the, the interconnectedness of disasters that happen in one part of the country or even one part of our, you know, kind of continent. 
and how that affects other parts of uh, the commercial market. I mean, you're seeing it on the residential where there's insurers just pulling out of Florida altogether. They just won't insure any homeowners there, which is a problem in and of itself. But commercial market has similar ripples through. And I just bring it up because, you know, property owners should be really making sure they have a strong relationship with a good commercial insurance broker, somebody who really understands that space, or connecting with folks like us who have enough bandwidth in terms of the you know, understanding that insurance market to be able to say, yeah, that makes sense. Or no, that doesn't make sense. Or, you know, okay, you know, you're, you're trying to balance costs with coverage. And, you know, these are things that would be advisable in terms of risk management from our perspective as property managers. And these are things that aren't. So another, another one of those topics that kind of falls under this risk topic. Yeah. And, and, and the lease type, right? I mean, when you talk about insurance, you know, if, if, if the leases are, uh, a gross lease and you're the owner, you're responsible for all those expenses and you can't get it back. Um, on a triple net lease, you know, we might be able to pass those through, but at the same time, if your triple net, if your cams per square foot are way over market in other markets, I mean, other uh, properties in your, in your market, you have, you run a risk of potentially losing that tenant as well. So to your point, I think really understanding the true cost of the insurance, um, that plays into that whole risk management and financial planning around your uh, around your asset. And I think the buzzword there's what stress testing. You know, you always hear this. You always say, "I'm going to stress test my financials." What the hell does that mean? I'm going to stress test. You know, it's like okay, you'll try to throw out some fancy phrase or something. It's like, look, all all that means is you want to look at if the interest rates go up to a certain level. What does that mean on my financial bottom line, right? And so I just love when they say that I'm going to stress test this. It's like okay. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's like I, I, I just, it cracks me up with some of the the buzzwords they throw out there or phrases. But you know, really, all we're all I'm trying to say is that when you look at the risk management and the financial side of things, is just see what the higher interest rates do to your financial forecast, um, yeah. and then kind of you know work with that and 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 figure out other ways you might be able to increase your cash flow by getting more efficient in some of the other things. And it, you you mentioned I just want to put a pin in you mentioned market triple nets, which I think is. Another thing that seems very, very choppy right now, and maybe a conversation for us in the future. I mean, we're we're seeing like just in pick an asset type, like if it's retail and obviously office is a little bit different, but just using retail as an example, there's huge variation across the different um, just in the same market. You can see huge huge variations in triple net expenses for tenants, and then looking at how that affects the all in, where you know some owners are aggressive on rate and pushing on triple nets, others are the other way. And just what does that actually mean in terms of coverage to the property when it comes to insurance or other things? I mean, it's a, that's a very choppy topic. And, you know, as I'm listening to our brokers talk, we oftentimes are all kind of like, wow, that's a huge difference in triple deaths from, you know, one property, which is in the same submarket to another. And yet they both seem to be active. So like, how is that working? Yeah. Interesting well, to watch. It, it, I just, uh, I just had a strategy meeting last week with a office owner and uh, office has really been the tough one because they're they're bleeding, right? They they have some vacancy, a fair amount of vacancy, and for some reason they can't get it leased up. Now they're not using us from the leasing side. I just I do the asset management form, but not we don't do the leasing. And so when we're talking strategy, I said, look, your bleeding's coming from your triple nets. You got thirteen dollars and seventy five cents a square foot of triple nets that you're paying for this. So why not do something? do a five-year term and have the first two years is going to be $3 rents plus nets because you own it outright. You're, the only thing you're losing on is the money coming out of pocket. So why don't you do something aggressive like that and then take it up to market, which is $18 plus nets. Yeah. And then 
I was like, that's what your broker should be doing with you is strategizing around your full financial picture, not just here's what the market is. You want that thing filled. This has been bleeding for nine months now. How many more months do you want to carry this out with the hopes and anticipation? And if you go really low on that base rent and have them cover nets, you got a really high probability of getting them in there in the as is condition. Oh man. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we, mean, did a, we did a deal strategy. that was like a, like a seven year office deal. And the first year was no rent, just operating expenses, you know, yeah. just get get them in there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that's part of that, you know, that, and that falls into that, that risk management, which is, you know, what your overhead is each year, get that at least covered. And then you can kind of grow from there. It depends again, asset class, if you've been marketing it, um, you know, there's just, just got to get creative. Um, and the one topic's not on here that I just thought of, you mentioned something earlier on the finances. I kind of triggered that is I'm seeing more and more owner financing on these investment deals, you know, where I'm seeing investment deals get done, whether it's owner user who's buying, or if it's an investor is getting the seller who has the property with a small amount of debt on it, who wants to kind of move on, but they still want to get that quote unquote aggressive cap rate. Buyers will still buy those if they can get the carry back from the seller, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing more of the, that starting to, starting to pick up a little more momentum in the spring. It wasn't as much the, the summer mm -hmm. to see it, but going in the fall, I think we're going to see more and more of this, the owners doing the carry back in order to get the price point they want. We've seen that too. We had a deal that, that seller carried the financing. Yep. So I think you're right. So, uh, and you think about it from a seller. I mean, I had one I did and I sold it and I got a 7% on my money. And I was like, I already know the asset. So I have no problem. I mean, it's yeah. Where, where else am I going to put that? Right. So mm -hmm. um, that's okay with me, but um, <laughs> all right. Well, in recap, I guess to recap this month's podcast is, uh, you know, we're talking about the impact of the rising interest rates. We're kind of in that phase one of it where people are starting to get used to where it's at and where it could be. Um, and the theme of being on the offense versus the defense, you know, don't just sit back and, and hope and wish uh, and assume that rates are going to go down next year or the year after, you know, you want to take a look at your asset today, get your team together, get your property asset and investment managers together and, uh, and make sure you've got a strategy, be proactive on how to maximize the value of your current asset, but also use that same team and incorporate your investment, your, uh, your uh, investment uh, broker in the deal as it relates to looking for opportunities. If you're looking to maximize and grow your portfolio, you can put the same team together and say, let's get on the offensive and go find some opportunities to acquire and add to our portfolio. I think a uh, perfect summary, uh, Derek, and a good conversation in terms of, I think, in terms of pointing out a lot of things that people should be thinking about. One thing you said stuck with me, which is every cycle, whether it's the up part or the down part, it presents opportunities. And right now there's opportunities so the key is figuring out as property owner, how are you engaging your team on the opportunities that are potentially going to come, maybe even likely to come, just getting everything organized, buttoned up and ready so that, you know, I think when there's uncertainty, choppiness, that also means there's opportunity. So we would always be advising people to prepare for that, you know, in the, in the context of their specific needs and assets. Yeah. It, 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 choppiness is a good way to look at it. It's like on an airplane, right? You're on a flight and all of a sudden the turbulence starts going crazy and you look at the flight attendants and they look back at you and they have confidence in their eyes or, you know, no fear whatsoever. It's like, okay, I calm down. Now, if their eyes get as big as silver dollars and they start freaking out, then you start freaking out. So yeah. it's back to that whole team, you know, having a team that's been through it and done it and then, uh, and then 
getting that confidence so you know that you're going the right direction versus trying to, you know, respond out of fear. So, uh, yeah, great times. Uh, always, Jordan, I love having a conversation with you. Same. You know, you and your firm do an incredible job. You, you bring a lot of value uh, to us as we work together on our clients, you know, jointly. Um, and uh, I just like to get out in public on, you know, praising, you know, the class act that you guys are uh, in, in working with us. So it's super fun to be uh, doing this, Derek, and our collaboration in general. And I, I mentioned this to you in an email recently, but I love getting the feedback from people who are listening to this. And it turns out there's a, a group in our office of employees and brokers that are listening to our podcast and it comes up in our conversation. So kind of broadcasting out to the world, but also sinking back in inside. So uh, anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun doing it. Well, well, it's great to be here. And then we'll be back again next month, everybody. So uh, everybody has any questions uh, uh, for us, you know, you can always reach out to us, uh, either Jordan or myself, uh, reach out to one of us. We talk all the time. So, uh, and we also take topics, you know, a lot of these topics that we talk about are coming from people that have reached out to us or clients that we talk to and they say, Hey, I listened to this. What about this topic? And, uh, and so, you know, keep those coming, but, uh, you know, happy hunting, everybody looking for opportunities and, uh, and, uh, hopefully everybody, uh, feels a little calmer about the market and can just focus on being on the offense versus the defense and, and, uh, you know, go out there and take care of your assets. So with that, everybody had a great day, Jordan, thanks again. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you should have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to me directly at Derek at DokeMail.com. Again, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day.